All right, you ready? Yes. Okay, we are going into the 90s. We were in the 90s last week. I know, we're going back there. So we're staying in the 90s. Yes, we're staying in the 90s, (laughs) smartass. Can I say ass on a podcast? Uh, I can go back and edit it, but I'm probably not going to, so. (laughs) My apologies. Uh, Okay, so uh, we're staying in the 90s. I just wanted to clarify that. We're staying in the 90s. We're not going back. We're staying. And it's quintessential 90s. I'll give you one hint. Well, we already did Friends. We already did Slap 90210. Bass. Slapping the bass? Slap bass. You know what it is? Oh, it's Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) I wish y'all could see Joel dancing right now. (laughs) Oh, man. Cosmo Kramer. In some ways, I think Seinfeld may have been, like, the sitcom that really started the trend away from, like, lyrical songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All I have in my in my mind now is the image of the diner. That, that's usually... Was that part of the opening kind of scroll of the show? Did they yeah. do a shot of the yeah, diner? Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually, I can't remember. Well, they've right done now. different things, because in the very beginning, it was the slap bass with... Jerry beginning uh, stand-up routine. Yeah, yeah. And then they went away from that and showed the diner, I think. Yeah. It's been so long since I've watched Seinfeld. Yeah. My gosh. Such a good show. I know. Welcome, everybody, to Joel and Rob's podcast. We are diving into chapter 21 of We Make the Road by Walking. Uh, this chapter is titled Significant and Wonderful. It's kind of how I feel about you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. It was laid out for me on a silver platter. I was waiting for you to say it to me, which you didn't, so I decided to say it to you. But I do feel that way. I feel you are significant and you are wonderful. Oh, right back at you, Joel. Yeah. So the scripture um, uh, is Mark chapter 1. And so... Um, well, it's really John chapter 2 and Mark chapter 1, right? I mean, he talks about both. Yes, he does. Correct. Yeah. Um, I think I read a little more of Mark than I read John but uh, mm. when I was reading up on this one. But yes, he does go into two stories. Both miracles. Both miracle stories. Um, one is... The first one from John is the... Uh, miracle of the wedding at Cana, where... Is it Cana? Cana. Cana, yeah. That's what I said. I said Cana. We'll have to go back and... I I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I heard. (laughs) Cana. It wasn't... It's not C-A-N-N-A. It's it's C-A-N-A. Cana. Yeah. That's what I said. No, it's not. Oh, gosh. Uh, Where Jesus changes... um, Water into wine at a um, wedding reception. At a wedding reception, and John, this is the first sign, 
as John calls it, the first miracle. Yes, he doesn't call it a miracle, which no, McLaren notes. He calls it a sign. And then the scripture from Mark is um, a very different kind of story. This is more of a healing um, miracle story where mm-hmm. um, Jesus is just after he has <clears throat> called his disciples. Um, he's in, is it Capernaum? Yes. Is that where he is? Yeah, the town Capernaum. of Capernaum mm-hmm. goes into the synagogue where a man with what Mark describes as an unclean spirit mm-hmm. um, recognizes him. And I think in, is the man, um, how does Mark describe him? I just Mark just says he is possessed by an impure spirit. And the impure spirit calls itself us. So it's a plural to yes. the spirit. Yes. Yep. And notices Jesus, notices who he is and the power that he Mm -hmm. has. Um, And Jesus says um, sternly, as as Mark notes, be quiet and get out of him. And the man shakes violently and this unclean spirit comes out of him. And everyone was amazed. And that kicks off in Mark subsequent healings. Yes. Um, it was the first of three specific exorcisms mm-hmm. in Mark, but even more miracles than, than mere yep. exorcisms. Yep. And so Mark is, uh, scholars would, would, would kind of universally, universally presume that it is the earliest of the Gospels. And Jesus, in the very beginning, is, is, a, is a healer. He is going around. He's a miracle uh, maker. Yep. In the first four chapters of Mark and just healing and healing and healing. Um, So Brian jumps right into it Mm -hmm. um, as he usually does. First, actually, let's let's take a step back. What do you think of these stories? Thoughts um, on John or um, the Mark stories? For me, personally, since you're still thinking, um, uh, the John story is so much more softer. It's such an easier story to kind of enter into the Jesus. uh, What's what's going to be your first miracle? It is so much easier. Yeah, it's it's much more accessible, and it's it's joyous, and it shows the abundance of God of of water into wine, fantastic, where Mark is this, like, oh, it's gritty, it's visceral, it's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <clears throat> um, and, and it's you the just, first chapter. We are in cha- really verse well. 21 of Mark. Well said. Like, there is no time to really kind of settle in, where in Luke and Matthew, we settle into Jesus as a, yeah. as a uh, young boy, or we have the Christmas stories. Mm-hmm. Mark... It begins it with the baptism. Baptism, pushed out into the into uh, the wilderness, yep. um, and then uh, calling disciples, and then this very visceral healing story that yeah. is um, just it's good word for it. You that that was very well said. Visceral, uncomfortable. Um, Did I say visceral in the right way? Yeah, I, okay. think, I think so. I just want to make sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an emotional well, I didn't say, story. I, I didn't say Canada part- in the right way. That's what I was just, <laughs> I, was just <laughs> I might have said visceral, and so I no, just you to make said sure. vis- okay, okay. Just making sure. I'm just pushing back. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I was taking my time to to name my thoughts, but you name them really yeah, well in particular right in. because because I've never I've never been comfortable with the exorcisms in the Gospels. Yeah, understanding just the tremendous cultural difference between ancient uh, Greek Roman society mm-hmm. and and present day understandings, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just in regard to overall emotional, mental, and physical health. Exactly mm-hmm. what are you being healed of? Are you actually being healed of demonic possession? Or are you being healed in a different way? Yes. Um, and so I've never been comfortable yep. with yep. the gospel's descriptions of exorcisms, m- meaning that people were literally possessed by mm-hmm. demonic spirits. And Brian really doesn't even... I mean, Brian just cuts through all of that, and he acknowledges right away. It's on, his on opening, page ninety-seven. He's like, "Listen, <laughs> like, uh, I really appreciated that." He he doesn't even wrestle with it. It's like you know, today we would never call these people possessed. Yes. Uh, today we understand that there's chemical imbalances at work. Yes. Uh, and you can be mentally and physically and emotionally ill. I yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I've never been comfortable in in gospel. Stories of exorcism. Yeah. I think I was comfortable when I was younger, but um, uh, definitely as I've gotten older. Um, well, because here's here's the rub. <sighs> you know, it, you start to read scripture. What, in what's happening way. To, to you when you're possessed? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not yourself. I mean, and you could say that in a lot of ways through addiction, through mental disease. You know, a lot of things are not yourself. But basically, that implies that... Um, a spirit in yeah. demonic possession is overtaking you. Yeah. And what does that say theologically? That God um, permits evil spirits to overtake healthy individuals? Yes. That's what it I'm, says. I mean, I have huge theological issues mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my understanding of the God of Jesus Christ. It just I have a hard time understanding demonic possession. Mm-hmm. Not the way... McLaren describes it, mm-hmm. you know, not at all that way. I, I, I am one-to-one with McLaren there. Well, just, I'm just trying to describe my overall yep. discomfort with literal interpretations of demonic possession. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So when I was younger, um, uh, so this is, I guess, I don't know, was this high school or early college where I was in more of a evangelical stream of Christianity. Um, you ever hear the book, this present darkness no. uh, by Frank Peretti. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. It was big in the kind of young adult evangelical literature books. Um, but it's all about this kind of stuff. Demonic possession. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, uh, and so I, I read that and, when you're reading the Bible only literally, as I was back then, then a book like that's gonna gonna speak to you and explain it. Sure, and explain it. Yep, and make make and, it make sense. and make it even more real. Yeah, the scripture's even more real. Yep. What I did like about this chapter, and early on, he talks about a couple different ways of looking at this, um, which he has before of. <clears throat> um, happen exactly as it does, 
as, as it's ascribed, um, or it didn't, and you throw it out. But he then he then says, let me see if I can find it. Um, the third way? Well, he's, yeah, he says, if you are skeptical, skeptical yeah. about miracles, you avoid these problems. Um, but you have another one. But then he says, but you have another problem, no less significant. If you're not careful, you can be left with a reduced world, a disenchanted, mechanistic world where the impossible is always and forever impossible. And I think that's <clears throat> that's what I, has been on my mind a little bit over the last few years. Um, uh, as I moved away from from uh, this kind of unseen spiritual world that that uh, that Mark is talking about here. Um, or one way to read the gospel is talking about. Um, and you can be left with this. So what does, what does the power of God look like in our lives and in our world? Um, and I've been slowly trying to take a step back and look, look for God's action around us and in my life. Um, and that has led to, um, I think, good and uh, ever-evolving questions. Of, mm. of, because I, I, I hear, Brian, here, of, you, you can reduce, take all of uh, uh, the, how does he describe it? Um, you can reduce the world to a lack of God's presence moving around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I appreciated that he that he wrote. And then he gets into the third option, mm-hmm. which I think is where I've been going um, as I continue to read Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is, and, he, and he says, what happens to us when, what happens to us when we imagine miracles happening? So perhaps the miracle that really counts isn't the one that happened to them back then, but one that could be happening in us right now as we reflect upon this story. Perhaps by challenging us to consider impossible possibilities, these stories can stretch our imagination and in so doing empower us to play a catalytic role in co-creating new possibilities for the world of tomorrow. Doesn't that sound rather miraculous? <laughs> that awesome. It is. It is. Um, yeah, the question is not, as we've said numerous times, right, in various podcasts on this book, the question, when it comes to Scripture, um, I think we're moving farther and farther away from, did that literally happen? Mm-hmm. And instead is... What is the truth this conveys? Yes. How does this How does this story speak to us yeah. now? Um, and I think Brian's also saying in how it speaks to us now, which we'll get to very soon, mm-hmm. he's saying it most likely spoke to them in that way too. I, 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 I resonated with his section on you almost need you almost need these stories that are. Um, 
over the top and outlandish to describe the transformation that can happen mm. when you are intentionally um, pursuing a life with God. When you're perpetually open to the Spirit, transformation happens. Yes. And the stories can't be. So right before this story is disciples dropping everything yep. to follow Jesus. And it can't be really a story about Jesus inviting Andrew and Peter to follow him and then kind of going home and, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to just check out financial stability, see how we look right there. I don't want to, you know, I'm going to get back to you in a little bit. But instead, their life is totally reoriented, totally changed as they drop their nets and follow him. And that, so when we do intentionally invest in following Jesus, if you really do it, your life is going to be transformed. Really well it's, said. It's going to be taken over. And so these stories almost of this transformation happening in this person in the synagogue, it needs to be a story that is that is over the top in some ways mm. to describe the invitation Jesus offers to life in the kingdom. Mm. Very, um, very well said. Yeah. Thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I think you said it well, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, because here's the truth, too, for me. I mean, I, when I was younger, I it was it was hard for me to discern which miracles to believe and which just seemed way too fanciful. Yep. You know, um, like okay, Jesus, uh, Jesus fed five thousand people with a few loaves and. Uh, a, a few fish. All right, that one seems I don't know, kind of nice and fairy taleish. Okay, I, I believe that. Uh-huh. Uh, Jesus raised a dead girl from, you know, the grave. Yep. Hmm. hmm. That's a tougher one. Mm-hmm. Simply because of exactly what Brian says. Um. What does that say to all those who prayed for the exact same miracle? Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, My faith wasn't strong enough. Yeah, yeah. I, that when I was in seminary, um, uh, a teacher passed away, Doctor Loader, mm. um, and it took a while for him to pass. And the community prayed uh, while he was yeah. hospitalized, and and then I believe on on life support and. Some people, I mean, the prayers were very different, and it was actually a fascinating time of what are you praying for? Yes. Um, and, you're, you know, a large contingency praying for a literal miracle. Yep. And then what happens when Dr. Loader actually did pass into salvation mm-hmm. and the miracle didn't happen? Does that mean you didn't pray hard enough? Yep. Does that mean um, that God didn't feel that... Either you or or he or the w- w- what case was worthy of a miracle. You know, there's 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 a dangerous side to it. Absolutely. When it comes to faith. Yep. Um, so the third way I think is is the the Brian is just so gifted at lifting up, right? I mean, yep. he just describes something so complex. I think so concisely. I, I think it's important and powerful mm-hmm. because life does change. Miracles do happen, even if they're not the miracles we read on the pages of Scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And so um, as I've 
been wondering what, where is the power of God in the world? Um, where, what, where is the power and movement of God in my own life? Mm-hmm. Um, this paragraph right here on 99 spoke to me profoundly. I'm going to read it. Again, the story stimulates us to ask questions about our own lives, our own times. What unhealthy, polluting spirits are troubling us as individuals and as a people? What fears, false beliefs, and emotional imbalances reside within us and distort our behavior? What unclean and unhealthy thought patterns, value systems, ideologies, and habit oppress, possess us as a community, a culture? What in us feels threatened and intimidated by the presence of a supremely clean or holy spirit or presence like the one in Jesus? In what way might this individual symbolize our whole society? In what ways might our society lose its health, its imbalance, its sanity, its clean spirit to something unclean or unhealthy? It's in the working out of all that he describes right there. And our willingness to either engage in it from a societal standpoint or from an individual standpoint, that's where I see the power of God working Amen. today. Yes. As opposed to... And believing that healing is possible. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Maybe not via exorcism. Yep. But healing happens. It's possible on an individual and systemic level. Yep. And that's where that word of wholeness comes in too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which um, is not just physical healing, but it is emotional and spiritual healing, mm-hmm. especially when physical healing does not come. Um, that's when the word wholeness, I think, can speak profoundly to the work and action of God in our lives. <clears throat> well said. So I think I know where I'm going in my sermon next week. Cause this nice. Is, this is the chapter. Yeah, we got a lot to dig into. Anything else? No. All right. I think we did it. You can find us on social media at Towson Press and Instagram at Towson Press. Um, I screw that up every That's time, okay. don't I? No. Good gosh. No, you don't screw it up most times. I think you do it well. Oh, okay. Usually you end up coming in to mildly correct me. because That only happened last time. No, it's more than that. No. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, you I, can believe, find us, I believe in you, Joel. Am I significant and wonderful? You are. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> TowsonPress.org, uh, 8.30 and 10 a.m. worship. Um, We look forward to chapter 21. We'll be back next week for Joel and Rob's podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. He's Joel. See you soon.